Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by a top-notch BJJ and MMA clothing brand, ADK Fightwear. Head to ADKFightwear.com right now and check out all the high-quality gear they got for you to get training. Whether that training's for ADCC trials in November or just trying to get in shape, meet them at the top of whatever mountain you're about to climb. And Top Turtle MMA listeners can meet them at the top right now by heading to ADKFightwear.com and using promo code TURTLE. That's T-U-R-T-L-E. And that's going to get you 20% off your entire first order. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Olivier Aubon Mercier, who fights Alexander Hernandez at UFC on Fox 30 in Calgary this weekend. Checking out your uh, your social media lately, it looks like half the fighters at TriStar are now rocking the same mustaches as you. Uh, Bechtick's got one, Arnold Allen's got one. Did you start this, and if not, how did this start? <laughs> Yeah, no, I just told them to have a, a stash, and they, they kind of had uh, no choice, so uh, <laughs> we decided to uh, to have it anyway. Uh, Olivier, after your last fight, you sort of called out Alexander Hernandez for a fight. Were you surprised that that fight got made? Uh, I didn't really call him out, actually. Um, I, I know him and Dan Hooker were looking for a fight, and there wasn't a lot of people in my category that didn't have a fight. So um, I kind of uh, tried to get one of uh, or the other uh, because I was scared to not get a fight if I don't uh, do that now. And they gave me Hernandez. It's sort of upsetting that this is the way that you have to go about getting a fight nowadays and and making sure that you don't get left on the shelf for too long. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's understandable. Well, I won't call it a call-out again, but you... You, were you surprised that this fight that you you sort of wanted was the one that wound up getting made? Yeah, I was surprised actually. It was the first time I uh, try. Uh, I was trying to get a fight, and um, I thought him and uh, Walker were was a done deal. And uh, I think a rumor the day after started that I was fighting Hernandez, and uh, it happened. So yeah, I was happy with my. Uh, with uh, my move. And do you think sort of your like fast growing popularity, you, obviously you're getting more and more fans every day, had anything to do with you getting this wish or was it more of a just sort of right place, right time thing? I think it was the uh, right place, for, uh, right time. Uh, like you said, I think I was getting more and more known and uh, me and Arnandez were kind of the same, uh, at the same place. So I think that was uh, one of the reasons why they, they put me together. And after your last fight, you sort of unveiled this new persona, this Canadian gangster kind of thing. How has this response been from the general public on, on this new sort of persona that you're working with? Uh, well, I think we had a pretty positive uh, response, actually. And, um, I mean, I'm having fun with that, and they, uh, they are having fun with uh, that, too. So it's a win-win situation for now, and... Um, like I said, 
I can't show my personality towards uh, the, this kind of the gangster thing. And uh, um, I think people uh, see that and I think they love it. Oh, definitely. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's a win-win situation. You get to build up your fan base with a persona without doing the like tired act of look at how much money I have or look how much cooler I am than all the other people nerd bashing stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were. I wasn't at a point that I was not willing to do what everybody was doing. Uh, I'm a positive person, and uh, and I don't know. I like to laugh a lot, and uh, uh, I like to make fun of myself. I like to make fun of other people. Um, so <laughs> I think the Canadian gangster was a, a great fit for me, um, and I mean. I can I, I can put some um uh, how do you say that I can um with with that with that kind of gangster thing I can say thing that uh I was not go- going to say uh with the Quebec kid thing you know so uh, I'm able to 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 talk about Trump to talk about uh, everything and people don't really know if I, I love Trump or if I hate him. And I think that's that's good like this, you know? Gotcha. So it allows you to play the bad guy without actually being the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. So I got to talk about kind of a part of the Canadian gangster persona. The fanny pack seems to be a huge part of it. I saw you recently got a fanny pack from Joe Rogan. How did that come about? I mean, I was a, a big fanny pack um, lover for a long time. So I was trying to get the, the Joe Rogan uh, fanny pack for a long time too, and it was all sold out. Um, so I actually had to uh, to ask him to ask him one, and he sent me one. So I was uh, pretty happy when I, I got it. So, but right now, uh, actually, Reebok did a fanny pack, uh, Canadian gangster fanny pack. Uh, so <laughs> that's great too, and. Um, I don't know. Since I since I have it, everybody is having it in uh, in the UFC. So I don't know. I guess uh, I started a trend. <laughs> oh man, I I didn't realize they released your own signature fanny pack. That is some really cool shit. Um, what what else is really cool about what you've got going on is that they've not only embraced that fanny pack and that whole idea, but they've embraced the whole Canadian gangster thing. I mean, you got your own shirt now with the silhouette and the mustache and the fanny pack, and you're really one of only like three or four guys who've got their own stuff from Reebok. What is that like? Yeah, no, they they love it. I mean, they they think it's funny and uh, they, they 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 really like the idea. And uh, I I guess that's the thing with uh, Reebok. If you if you can sell yourself and if you have a good idea, I think they 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 are all in uh, into you. <laughs> and I know we're kind of harping on the fanny pack thing here, but I do have one more fanny pack centric question for you. So I'm sure your wallet and keys are in there. What else do you keep in a fanny pack? Well, I have my mouthpiece, uh, just in case like shit happen. Uh, I have uh, a mustache oil for my stash, so my stash can be glorious all the time. Um, I actually have a little knife uh, just to open thing or you know to to open a beer to open a wine. Um, 
Det tror jag är vi alltså. Eh, stencil, fork and uh, and uh, a knife to eat. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think. All right, all right. Seems like a useful bunch of things. Uh, so let's get to the fight with our last question here. Uh, you know, you're, you're fighting Alexander Hernandez this weekend. Uh, what's your prediction for how this thing goes? Uh, shit, I, I think Hernandez is super dangerous uh, in the first round. So I think it's going to be a KO in the second round. Um, I think he won't be able to, uh, to keep the pace. Well, there you have it, folks. Second round KO. Make sure you tune in this weekend when Olivier Aubon Mercier fights Alexander Hernandez at UFC on Fox 30. Olivier, thank you again so much for the time. We really appreciated it. And that interview was brought to you by the best, most lightweight, breathable mouthguard on the planet. I'm talking about Sisu mouthguards. Sisu mouthguards have revolutionized comfort in the mouthguard market. With their Max Guard, not only will you be protected, but you will be able to talk, breathe, and drink all without taking the mouth guard out. And if you're a BJJ guy like me, you know how hard it is to keep that mouth guard in your mat, mouth and off of the sweaty mats. Go to sisuguard.com. That's S-I-S-U guard.com and get yours today. We, of course, are Shockwave Dave Tremonti and Daniel Gumby Vreeland. And that was the Canadian gangster, Olivier Aubon Mercier. Dave, uh, question for you. Is he the most marketable up-and-comer right now? The answer there is no, but that is not an indictment on his marketability. I think he's, you know, a fun up or a, he has potential as an up and comer. I like what uh, Reebok's doing with the branding of the Canadian gangster. He's got the fanny pack, all funny stuff. But I mean, they barely knew how to market Rory McDonald, who I think had a higher ceiling. And, you know, I, I would still say is today the best welterweight in the world. Uh, but Canadians are tough to market if you're not GSP and just putting on a wrestling clinic and dominant every, every fight out. So for me, no. I mean, I would invest my money in a style bender at this point yeah. if we still count him as young. But, uh, you know, I, I like OAB. Trash talk aspect to sell it, whereas right. Alba Mercier is more funny instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's that you might might even take somebody like Darren Till, who talks a little bit of smack, or some or Tai Tuivasa. Like all of those guys are right at the cusp of being like young, super marketable guys too. So we are so excited to get to our combat countdown this week. But first, let's talk real quick, like about UFC Hamburg, as we saw Anthony Smith stop. Uh, Shogun's late career resurgence dead in its tracks. I was surprised, actually, because every time I see Anthony Smith fight in the UFC, I get excited. I'm like, what a young, fun, exciting prospect. This guy is a violence machine. And then I'm reminded, oh, wait, he's 29 years old and has like 40 fights. Not taking anything away from the man, but you saw him in the main event put on a clinic, and then Corey Anderson with a big win over Glover Teixeira, a perennial top-five fighter in that light heavyweight division for the last five years, really, uh, what do you make of those two performances? Are these guys realistic title challengers to you in the next year or so? Uh, maybe in the next year or so. I, I just keep having like this weird moment where I'm like, I know DC's trying to like wait out a new heavyweight challenger, right? He's just trying to wait out Brock coming back. And in the meantime, he's like, I'll take a 205 fight. And it just seems like everybody who's like one win away 
just keeps stepping in shit. You know what I mean? Like Shogun seemingly one win away. Glover seemingly one win away. Both of them take losses to prospects, you know, sort of prospects here. Then you had Gus who was supposed to fight at the pay-per-view and his opponent got hurt and dropped out in Vulcan Ozdemir and then he just, I guess, dropped out. So he's not even going to fight Anthony Smith or anything like that. So like, these guys are almost realistic title challengers only because anybody who's gotten close seems to find a way to fuck it up. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, this division needed some young life into it. I'll tell you what, ver- I mean, Anthony Smith is very exciting. Violence machine, like I said. I'm sure DC would absolutely murk him with wrestling. But you know what's very intriguing to me? And I've been on this bandwagon before, and my heart has been crushed. But I have to say, Glover Teixeira is one of the best wrestlers in that division, one of the most notoriously tough outs when it comes to the clinch, dirty boxing, and Corey Anderson damn near manhandled him. I think Corey Anderson, with snapping that uppercut, now that he's with Mark Henry, I was very impressed by what I saw out of Corey Anderson. And if this, I know I might sound stupid here, and maybe he'll make me look silly, because I've done this before on the Corey Anderson hype train, but if Corey Anderson comes with that fucking Mark Henry uppercut and that dominant wrestling, I'm, I'm intrigued, my man. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would say that, that that's true. He's definitely more interesting than Anthony Smith for me, in, mm-hmm. in that, like, he seems to have a more complete game. Like, Anthony Smith didn't show us anything we didn't already know, right? Anthony Smith came out. He hit somebody hard after fight after fight of hitting people hard. Corey Anderson has always wrestled, but he's never wrestled somebody as good as Glover Teixeira and out-wrestled them at their own right. game. So, like, right. I feel like he's showing us another level. Anthony Smith is showing us, hey, that old guy who's been hit 7 billion times and has been at 7 billion wars can't get hit hard anymore. Right, right. I agree. I mean, we need. I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing Anthony Smith versus Corey Anderson, but time will tell. I think when it comes to what DC does, a lot of it depends on can Brock stay clean for six months. When is that fight happening? Does it even make sense to pair DC with someone in November to try to turn him around in January versus Brock? Um, you know, if I had to go deep state conspiracy theory, if Jones is really going to be good to fight in 2019, I think the bigger money matchup is Jones versus Lesnar and, you know, figure out what to do with DC and the heavyweight title in his last fight mid next year. I don't know. The whole thing is so confusing. All I know is Corey Anderson is an athletic beast, but you know who isn't an athletic beast, Gumby? The top five (laughs) athleticism overachievers. The guys who got the most in their career out of the least in the athleticism they brought into the cage, and that is our top five combat countdown this week. So, Gumby, are you ready for the top five athletic overachievers in MMA? Yeah, it's the most ready I've ever been for a countdown. Boom. All right. Let's go. Let's start with number five. You know, this is so apropos that we kick it off with a man who shares your nickname, (laughs) Jeremy Gumby Horn, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Tell us why Jeremy Horn is number five on the Athletic Overachievers. So uh, we're going to give a shout-out to uh, Twitter follower Dar, at Dar Valdez, for suggesting Jeremy Horn 
Um, we, we put this question out early in the week, and we got a bunch of responses, and we really liked this one. Because look back at his career. The dude's got 91 fucking wins. He's fought. He's 91, 24 in five. That's one of the most ridiculous records in MMA that I've seen. I mean, except for Travis Fulton, and this is twice or three times more successful. On top of that, you got to remember, his jiu-jitsu game was so good, he subbed Chuck Liddell off of his back. And the reason his nickname was Gumby, or at least I would imagine, is he's kind of got a Gumby-looking body. They're, they're, he's not cut in any certain way. He's kind of big everywhere, but like not like imposingly big. He's just kind of an average-looking dude. You would never look at him and go, oh, MMA fighter. No, agreed. You know, so many people threw out guys like, let's say Damian Maya or Royce Gracie, which I totally get. They obviously use jiu-jitsu and phenomenal technique to maybe make up for a lack of physical prowess. Yeah, I heard people or saw people on our Twitter feed throwing out Michael Bisping, who to me, I'm like, eh. I mean, the guy's a, he's a... Yeah, I mean, he's a cardio bunny. He's a big guy. But for me, Jeremy Horn, you just look at him, and he looks like the science teacher at your school. I don't know. I, I just, for me, Jeremy Horn is a, a great pick to kick off the list. We'll move to number four, and this is a no-brainer. It's Mike Russell. Yeah, so Mike Russell... Uh, he was suggested by, uh, you know, our fearless leader at Flow, Hunter Homicic. Mike Russo sort of gets, you know, pushed under the carpet a little bit when you think about all he achieved in MMA. The dude finished his career at 15-3 and three in a heavyweight division where it's not easy to have a dominantly win-heavy record. Remember, freaking Randy Couture lost double-digit times. It, it, Russo won his first three UFC fights, or first four UFC fights, rather, including knocking out Todd Duffy with the hammer fist of doom. The only reason he stopped fighting was because he lost to Fabrizio Verdum in Sean Jordan, and then he decided that that was time to retire. He ended 4-2 and two in the UFC. That's a crazy career for a dude who, I mean, you said that Jeremy Horn looks like he could be your science teacher, Mike Russo, I, I mean, I don't. It's hard to compare him to anybody you know in your life. He's just like a big, portly-looking dude. I, I mean, he puts you know, sort of some of the other guys on our our countdown makes them look super athletic comparatively. Well said. We'll move to number three, and I love this just because of the person who suggested it, and it's dead on. Number three, Cole Miller. Yeah, Cole Miller. We should mention got. Put on our list, and I had to keep him on the list. He got put on our list because his brother, Micah Miller, uh, former Tough alumni, suggested that he ought to be on the list because he's the least athletic guy in the room. But if he's the least athletic guy in the room where he trains, let's point out the fact that this is a guy who took a round off of Max Holloway. He only lost 29-28 on the judges' scorecards by beating Max Holloway in a round. He's fought 19 times in the UFC. He's got five finish bonuses, and he's only, so in 33 fights, he's only been finished twice in his whole life. That is just an incredible career for a dude who looks like a walking, you know, stick bug, right? Like, he's the, what is he, 6'1 or 6'2 fighting at 55? Yeah, I mean, one thing, when I was just looking at the totality of his career, uh, sure, you want to say he overachieved, 
this dude overachieved in a huge way. I know he was never necessarily almost a title challenger or perennial top five guy, but this guy was a tough out. You had to pack your hard hat in the lunch whenever you fought him. In like 50 fucking fights, the guy never got subbed, did a lot of subbing, and he only got knocked out twice, once by Jeremy Horn, or sorry, sorry, Jeremy Stevens, no shame in that, but just what a tough cat. Yeah, he did ultimate, ultimate, ultimate tough guy, considering the dudes he faced. All right, we'll move to number two, and this guy's a former champion. Some might call it fluky in a big upset. It's the Italian meatball, Matt Serra. Yeah, and when it was suggested to us, uh, it was suggested as you got to include the meatball, suggested by Twitter follower Kyle. You can follow him at Kyle102203. Uh, you know, he, he's the welterweight champ. He won the ultimate fighter. He fucking knocked out George St. Pierre. I mean, like, what else is there to say about a guy who's too short for his division, who's not in good enough shape to go into deep rounds, who's, you know, like, too round and needs to work on his cardio? Like, the knocks on Matt Serra's physique go on and on. I mean, he's still getting knocked as a coach for his physique. And he achieved more than most fighters will in their entire careers. All right, before we move to number one, who I think is a, a no-brainer, and I don't expect too much Twitter uh, flack for picking him number one, I want to quickly, Gumby, talk about some honorable mentions before we get to number one. The people who just missed the cut off the top five list, who did you have? Uh, you you got to include Shinya Aoki. Uh, you know, when we were debating back and forth, we decided he had a little bit too much of too much muscle to include on the list. He's sort of like a more muscly Cole Miller. Um, but you know, like he he's a real stringy guy, fighting at like six foot at one fifty five. Um, did a lot with not a lot of uh, athleticism. You also probably want to include Tonya Avenger in there. She's like not super buff for her division. She's not in like, you know, like phenomenal Instagram shape, but at the same time, fuck if the results don't speak for themselves. I mean, she's had a freaking amazing career that's lasted quite a damn long time. Uh, were there any you wanted to put in there? No, I mean, with bringing up, I didn't really feel the Shinya Aoki uh, suggestion that one of our Twitter followers gave. I could get behind Sakuraba, who had just a Hall of Fame-worthy career in pride, submission specialist, the story goes he used to, like, chain-smoke cigarettes in the back before fighting. Just kind of looked like your average Joe on the street, really. Um, you know, came from pro wrestling. Nothing really that physically imposing about him. Uh, could certainly fight it around light heavyweight. But, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. I just, for me, I think uh, the Jeremy Horns and Cole Millers and Mike Russells were the, not, the no-brainers. And certainly a no-brainer is our number one athletic overachievers. It's the everyman. It's Roy Nelson. Yeah, Roy Nelson suggested to us by Twitter follower, a guy in a gi. Uh, you can follow him at a guy in a gi. Look, Roy Nelson, you could probably compare him to Matt Serra, although he is in far less good athletic shape and cardiovascular ability than Matt Serra. And at the same time, he won the IFL Heavyweight Championship, which was a division that had a pretty damn good heavyweight uh, class. Then he won the Ultimate Fighter 10, and some people might be like, well, that was kind of a lame season. Now listen to the list of people he knocked out in the UFC. He knocked out Brandon Schaub. He knocked out Stefan Struve. He knocked out Mirko Krokop. He knocked out Matt Mitrione, Sheck Congo, Bigfoot Silva, and Big Nog. He knocked all of them out in a UFC career. 
you are going to have a very hard time finding a list of people who, who have a better resume of people they knocked out in the UFC than Roy Nelson, a guy who everybody laughs at every single time people are talking about him being a killer, and he's a freaking straight-up killer. And on top of that, he's a fucking ace jiu-jitsu guy, too. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. He's the king of the overachievers. Let's rewind the list. Number five, Jeremy Horn. Number four, Mike Russo. Number three, Cole Miller. Number two, Matt Serra. Number one, Roy Nelson. I happen to love all those fighters, and maybe it's because they kind of appeared like overachievers or like the underdogs, at least when it came to physical prowess. But fuck do I love that list. Hit us up at Top Turtle MMA if you agree or disagree. Gumby, what do we move on to next? Any house cleaning for the show? And this UFC on Fox 30 preview is brought to you by Garage Fit. Look, it's hard to get to all of your BJJ classes and still make time for a drive to the gym. But now you don't have to drive to the gym. Garage Fit has all you need for a high-quality home workout right in your garage. Heavy ropes, weighted vests, kettlebells, they've got it all. Head to garagegym.net and check out everything they've got for you and get working out. We've got three picks for the fight card this weekend. The first one I'm liking is in the main event. I'm taking the underdog, Eddie Alvarez, betting off at plus 140 over Dustin Poirier, uh, who's betting off at negative 160. I like Al- Alvarez in this one. I thought his uh, toughness the last time they fought and his ability to take a punch had him in a position where he most likely was going to win that fight without the illegal knee. So I'm going with him to repeat that performance. In the co-main event, I like Jose Aldo betting off at negative 130 over Jeremy Stevens at plus 110. I get it. Stevens is on a much tougher or has done a much better run he's looked really good as of late which is why this line is so close but at the same time Jose Aldo is losing to the best of the best he's only lost to to Max Holloway so I like his chances here against Stevens I just think he's quicker and more technical and then in the third fight from the top I like Ioannion Jacek over Tisha Torres Ioannion Jacek the negative 325 huge favorite over Tisha Torres betting off at plus 250 I mean, everything we've seen from Joanna Janjacek in the past, her striking is just so technical. She's so good on her feet. She moves in and out better than anybody in that division, even the champ, Rose Namajunas. And, and I just think that this is a fight that's going to be really hard for Tisha Torres to win. So, once again, to recap our picks for UFC on Fox 30 in Calgary, I like Eddie Alvarez over Dustin Poirier, Jose Aldo over Jeremy Stevens, and Joanna Jan Jacek over Tisha Torres. And this brings us to the end of yet another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. We want to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and Garage Fit. We, of course, also want to thank Flow Combat for having us, as usual, and uh, we'd like to remind you that you can check out our Twitter accounts. You can check me out at Gumby Vreeland. You can check the show out at Top Turtle MMA. You can also email the show at Top Turtle MMA at gmail.com. Also, don't forget, you can always check out our new exclusive content on our YouTube channel, Top Turtle MMA. We've got uh, some upcoming stuff coming on in there. You're going to want to have to follow us. I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He was Shockwave Dave Tremonti. And we are out.